Hello. Welcome to Sunday night. Uh, we're just back from the wonderful Salts Mill, uh, which currently is showing well a, a David Hockney exhibition that uh, has actually been around for quite a long time now. But um, the arrival of spring, but I think it's the first time it's comprehensively been done. Uh, in, I mean the one in, in France. Europe. Well, this is the one. No, this is the much earlier one. This is the one from when he returned, really for quite some time to his beloved East Riding and. He did um, a series uh, on I, on his iPad uh, from 2011, from the start of January 2011 through to May 2011. Again, as ever, capturing the change of seasons. But the way that he did it um, was on on sort of one stretch of uh, countryside road uh, that he, he that he was drawn to, and um, so that's a comprehensive exhibition, well worth seeing again. If you, I mean, Salt's Mill doesn't cost to go there. Uh, free parking. It's a great place, Charles Salt Mill. It, but at one point, it, it didn't show much uh, recent Hockneys. It had lo lots of older Hockneys yes, and framed prints, but it seems the last couple of years to really stepped up his game with, with Hockney stuff. Well, the, 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 the last exhibition of Hockneys I saw there was the one that was the year in Normandy, which was the remarkable piece, yeah, the, the, which was, you know, mm -hmm. you went round... To call it circular would be, it was a slimmer than a circle, wasn't it? It was more like a keyhole in shape. Um, and that was all the <laughs> 12 months uh, uh, charting the how uh, the seasons changed again. So that's where the, there's the similarity with this work, which was... Did you uh, notice in that exhibition, in, in that piece hmm. of work, there was no people? In, and and likewise, likewise in this, the only, the only presence of humanity being suggested was in one right. image. There were two vehicles. One looked like a Land Rover, and one looked again like a, a four yeah. four type vehicle. Um, mm. Yeah, because I think it's the power of nature that he's drawn to. I mean, it was quite secluded where he did that work, and likewise in France, he deliberately chose somewhere I think secluded to live in and uh, and to paint. And that, that, although I did strangely enough, yeah. um, I met uh, one of York's artists who happened to be painting <laughs> in exactly the same place. That's David Hockney. And you can imagine oh, yeah. this Hockney there painting. And I guess this fellow painter might have felt just a little intimidated at the presence of a somewhat familiar and uh, internationally yeah. acclaimed artist alongside him that day. You know. So well, yeah, I also suppose the thing, the thing about Hockney's work, not having people, it's a bit like saying, if only Monty had put some people in the water, it would be much better. <laughs> I mean, of course, Hockney has always done portraiture work as well, and that's uh, recent portraiture work uh, is again on show, actually, uh, downstairs uh, in that, that wonderful uh, the, the room when you first enter Salt's Mill with a gorgeous smell that they always have of the, of the flowers, the, uh, the that, uh, wonderful pungence that's there in the air. And uh, so there, there are some of his uh, studies of... Uh, uh, portrait studies as well that that's present. So it's always there's always been the balance in his work, of course. You know. Now, Graham, um, through tonight, and we're recording as ever on Sunday. I will. I won't stay out to watch this, but I will emerge in the morning to know what the Oscar um, results were. What I'm not expecting, perhaps, is quite such a knockout punch as was delivered at last year. And I'm talking not about any shock results, it, but of course, the famous. It wasn't a punch. Uh, it was a slap. Otherwise, Chris Rock would have gone down. <laughs> well, Chris Chris Rock is now saying in his return to comedy that it actually hurt. Well, he didn't flinch. Uh, it, it didn't betray any no. sign of impact. 
No. I, I, I'm still, I still totally, totally believe that whole thing, but yeah, what I know. Well, anyway, let's 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 um, let's assume that tonight might not have such um, uh, such moments. The shock, the shock, knock of rock. Um, but maybe the results. I don't know. I do. Are we in for surprises tonight, Graham? I, I think so because everybody is assuming that everything, everywhere at once, is going to clean up everything at once. But it's a film set in the multiverse. In yes. the Oscars hasn't got form in giving that sort of film best picture or best director. They just haven't. I mean, Blade Runner, when that came out, and obviously that Ridley Scott's film is, is an absolute classic. Mm-hmm. It only got two nominations in 1983 it Oscars did. for visual effects and production design, and it didn't win either. So right. I've got there's a, a long track of the, of the Oscars not liking that sort of film. I've got a theory. In an alternative mm-hmm. world, in a multiverse world, mm-hmm. that is where that film will win the Oscar. In this world <laughs> only that we're in tonight... Yeah. It will yeah. not, I think, win the best picture. Strangely enough, Graham, uh, on Friday night. Well, apart from what I've said, absolutely nothing because uh, it, it's not it's not a vintage year at the movies. I don't think no. it's, it's, there's a lot of interesting films, but there's not many uh, not many films I've, I've completely enjoyed. So that might lead to a spread of awards. Absolutely. Well, Graham, um, we await those results with interest, but I think the big the big story in terms of the other matters that we've been covering covering within the film world has been the the future or otherwise of the Edinburgh International Film Festival. And the headline here is it has been saved. Both of us had an instinct that that could happen rather more, if you like, than saving uh, the film house, but that the festival would be saved. So please give um, our listeners an update on what, what is happening. Well, it's all good news, Edinburgh, because it was looking bad. I mean, first of all, Creative Scotland, the government department, cut its budget by 10%. Yeah. And that had impact potentially on the King State of Edinburgh, whose renovation costs have spiraled because of inflation mm. and mm. general cost of living. So mm. Brian Cox and Alan Cumming were campaigning to save King State. Yeah. Mark Cousins and Tilda Swinton were campaigning to save the Film House and Edinburgh National Film Festival because financially it was in a bad way and, and the owners of the Film House building wanted to sell it. Yeah. And so it looked like, like the two most important venues, apart from Lusher Hall, and the uh, the uh, festival theatre in Edinburgh, they were both, both going to bite the dust, but now it looks like King's Theatre is saved because the Scottish government's gone back on its cuts to Grave Scotland. It looks yeah. like Edinburgh's industrial film festival is definitely going to happen this year and it's going to come back even stronger next year because basically Screen Scotland has stepped up, stepped up the plate and given £4,000 to this year's Edinburgh National Film Festival, which will be the 76th year it's been held. And on top of that, it's going to be run for one year only by the official Edinburgh Festival, who's, which is going to let the box office for the official festival be used for the film festival's box office. So it's mm. getting some big support to make sure it happens. It's only going to be a six-day festival yeah. under its new programme director, Kate Taylor. And I don't know where it's going to be based. I don't know which cinema it's going to be using. Those details haven't come up yet. And also its programme is going to be announced quite late, I believe. I don't think you're going to know which films have been shown until June. And the thing yeah. happens in August, between August 18th and the 23rd. Yeah. And then there's supposed to be a full-scale return. I, I, I take that point on board entirely. I'm just thinking in terms of... Talking to the Oscars, Quentin Tarantino, who's only yes. ever had two, two Oscars in there for uh, screenplay, which is typical Hollywood, because the reason that Tarantino hasn't got a Best Director Oscar or Best Film Oscar is because he makes the sort of films that don't get Oscars. <laughs> so the, the Oscars <laughs> have always had a 
tradition of not rewarding certain types of movies. Is he ironically, you know, yeah. is he ironically going to be one of those directors who ends up winning the you know greatest great filmmaker award when he's about to die? Is that what's going to happen with him? Yeah, he might get a lifetime achievement Oscar. That That's the one. You can see that. Yeah. But isn't it interesting that his films, which have had such an influence, mm. are, uh, the style of the films, content, acting, anything, everything about filmmaking was so exhilarating, not rewarded in Hollywood. Yeah, it's typically, he's the most distinctive, original, successful filmmaker of the last 25 mm. years from Hollywood. Yeah. And apart from the screenplay, he hasn't, he's got hope hell get an Oscar. Absolutely bizarre, isn't it? That that is the case. It's not. It's not even like his films are incomplete. No, they put they, together what you want in a film. In, but it's a bit like Scorsese's. Scorsese's films tend to he be had a the bit same problem. Scorsese had the same problem, and he didn't get an Oscar for for decades. Yeah, for that reason as well. So, yeah. the Academy has form. So that's the sort mm. of writing you get in the book: mm. passionate, knowledgeable. Lots of points. He makes a point in every sentence. No sentence. Every sentence serves a purpose. Just mm. like the, the dialogue in these films, everything's there for to make a point. And he, he he's quite opinionated about movies. What what he likes, what he doesn't like. Does um g- given the impact of filmmaking from other cultures beyond Hollywood uh, has played its very strongly a part in his films. Does he address that at all? The international film market. Be it the French, be it the yeah, Japanese. He clearly knows all these. Yeah, he no, he doesn't get into his love of Korean cinema much because he hasn't. Again, he's not got the opportunity because no. it doesn't fit the the schemata of, of the actual book. But I, I'm sure he would no. if, he, if he wrote another one. Mm. So, in that, in those terms, it's it's streamlined. It's a focus largely on American film, which. To say cinema in America is the home of cinema is far too simplistic. Of course it is, because that's one of the wonders of film. It's an international language that that is absolutely apparent. But do you think it was important to him to focus on his own country in this? Maybe that that was more important for him? Well, he's a classicist. He's a man who saw the great New Hollywood movies of the 70s, who understands foreign cinema and loves foreign cinema. But he's based on the tradition of John Ford and Howard Hawks. You know, he's he's almost like a throwback to the 1940s, except, of course, he loves violence, he loves bad language, he loves being provocative, he's fearless yes. and honest as a director. So he wouldn't have fitted in then at all. He would have struggled to make any of his movies in the 1940s, but and he's, he's but basically he's, he's, uh, his own ethos and his own deepest feelings are more in accord to the golden age of Hollywood studios than the, the modern era. The, I mean, you mentioned, you know, that that relish for violence, which has been a consistent theme in his films. Would you argue, though, that the violence always has a sense of context, that it isn't just glorying in violence for the sake of violence? There are reasons behind it, and it isn't just that it's del- delivered with a stylistic punch to it. There's something I, more again, about I- it. No, I, I, I think he loves violence for its own sake. But then again, so do right. movies. In the case mm. of Westerns dominated Hollywood, it was always yeah. like cavalry versus the Indians. Yes. And they, they would always be fights and, you know, Indians getting shot and yeah. covermen falling off horses with arrows in their back. No, nobody watching those films went, oh, poor cavalry or oh, poor Indians. No. Kids just loved 
battles between Indians and cavalrymen. And adults did as well. Mm. And, and I think Tarrant Hill just sees what he does is a modern update of that, which obviously the, the violence is more extreme and more explicit. But it's the mm. same. I think he looks on the violence as, as it's about an emotional impact. He thinks films are there to give you an emotional impact. And he thinks violence creates an emotional impact. Well, he doesn't express it as explicitly as I'm saying. And he'd be right in thinking that, Graham, wouldn't he? Exactly, yeah. He just happens to do it <laughs> with, with great style and relish and and in a quite quite a slightly bloodthirsty fashion. I mean, even Once Time in Hollywood, which is a very nice movie, until yes. the very end when he has to have he has to have like uh, Brad Pitt decimating the, the Manson gang who've come to, to murder someone. You know, yes. even that, he just can't resist having no, that. Those those last five minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, Graham, um, we're coming towards the end. Uh, I think if we've been very efficient, which we have tonight, there is room, if you wish, for another music. Well, not so much interruption, maybe as a sort of concluding point for the night, really. Well, yeah, I want to recommend the new album by David Bruce of Field Music, The Art Rockers, The Soft mm. Struggles, which is it's on their, their own record. It's just come out. It's an amazing album. It lasts last 33 minutes, 10 songs. So it's all... And it's David Bruce's attempt to do a sort of like slightly jazzy Astral Weeks meets Nick Drake type thing. And when I heard he was doing that, although I absolutely love Field Music, a brilliant, brilliant band, I thought this could go badly wrong. But it's an absolute gem. I mean, Field Music have always excelled at boiling down ideas into economic little yes. gems of music. And this is just one midget gem after another. They're like little diamonds, like everything's perfectly in place, perfectly understated and melodic and memorable. It's a really great album, The Soft Struggles. I would definitely recommend it so to everyone. What is the circumstance of one brother making an album without the other brothers? There's not clearly been a fallout. We know well, that. that never... The thing about field music, the two brothers, David and Peter, is that whenever they do anything solo, which they've done quite a bit, they always, yeah. they always seem to work in each other's albums. So basically... Peter Bruce is all over the soft struggles. He, I think he plays drums quite a lot of the time. Yeah. Splendid. Well, thank you as ever, Graham. You've been listening to the podcast Two Big Egos in a Small Car. Your hosts were Graham Chalmers and Charles Hutchinson. This was a Baltic sub-production.